Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Well, good morning, church. So I'm Astrid. You will often find me out in the shed, in the powerhouse room, where we have a ton of fun. Um, You may also know me as Craig's wife or the mum of Steph, Hannah, Thomas or Daniel. So this morning, I'm going to describe to you something and I want you to try and imagine it and then see if you think you believe it or not. So this thing is a living thing. It has a forked tail. It has two sets of antenna, five pairs of legs. How are we going so far? Its body is semi-translucent and you can see its heart beating. It has bristles on its belly and it has one eye in the middle of its head. And it could be red or black. Can you imagine it? Do you think it's real? Let me introduce you to Cyclops. This is a water flea. It is real and it's actually incredibly common. It's found all over the world. It sounded impossible, didn't it? But it's real. And we're going to discover in the message today something else that sounded impossible. So let's have a look at the story of Thomas. Who's heard about kids, the story of Thomas in the Bible? What do we know about Thomas? We don't know a whole lot about Thomas, do we? What's something that we know about Thomas? He's really well known for something. He's well known. Yes, Laura. His doubts. In fact, he is so well known for his doubts that we even know him as Doubting Thomas. Poor old Thomas. So let's find out what he was doubting about. So the disciples are all hanging out together, except for Thomas on this one day. And it's not long after Jesus had been crucified. They're hanging out in an apartment. Well, actually, the Bible tells us that they were kind of in hiding. They are in a room with locked doors because they were afraid. You see, it wasn't long before where Jesus, who they thought was going to be the saviour of the world, the one who was going to rescue them, had been crucified, killed and put in a tomb. The person that they had put their trust in was gone. The Jews hated them. They hated them when Jesus was alive. They hated them even more after he was dead. And they were afraid. They were sitting there probably wondering what was going on, wondering what it all meant. And suddenly Jesus appeared. He didn't knock on the door. No one let him in. He appeared amongst them. How do you reckon those disciples felt? What do you reckon, kids? Well, 
the Bible tells us that they were startled and frightened. I reckon I probably would have been too. They thought they'd seen a ghost, but it was the real Jesus. So who remembers why they were in a locked room in the first place? Anyone remember? Tash? (laughs) They were scared. They were afraid. What do you think Jesus said to them? He came and he said, peace be with you. That was the first thing he said to them. After he was resurrected, after he came back to life, he said, peace be with you. This is what the cross brings. The resurrection has brought us peace with God. Maybe that's something that we need to hear today too. Jesus knew that that was what they needed. And then he said in Luke 24, verse 38, he said, Why are you troubled? Why do you doubt? Why do doubts rise up in your minds? Then he showed them his hands and his feet, and they believed and were overjoyed. That's pretty amazing. Imagine being one of the disciples that day. Jesus has returned, and he has said, look, I am real. It's hard to imagine how you would feel. The awe, the peace, the hope that comes with the resurrection... Now, poor old Thomas, he missed out on all of this. I don't know why he wasn't there that day, but for some reason he wasn't with the other disciples. But don't worry, like all good friends, they filled him in on exactly what had happened. Just like your friends would do when you miss out on something amazing. But would you believe your friends if they told you that something impossible had happened? He didn't believe his friends either. In fact, he said in John 20, 25, Thomas said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. I completely understand where he was coming from. This too-good-to-be-true, life-changing news is pretty hard to believe. What was it that made the other disciples suddenly believe? They had heard that he'd risen again. They were expecting it. It had been predicted. They had heard from the women that had been at the tomb. Yet they were doubting. What was it that changed their doubts into belief? Jesus appeared. They met Jesus. Now, it was a week before they met together again. Thomas had a lot to think about over that week. He was wondering if it was really true, if Jesus really had risen again like he had heard. And they met together again, and again they were behind locked doors. And again Jesus appeared. And he said to them, peace be with you. Then he said directly to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop Doubting and believe. Kids, what do you reckon? Do you think Thomas believed after that? You bet. So what was the difference? He went from doubt 
to belief. He'd heard the news, but he saw it for himself. But something interesting. Did Thomas actually ask Jesus to see his hands and put his hand in his side? He didn't. Jesus knew. When Jesus had appeared again, he didn't actually ask Jesus. He was probably just sitting there dumbfounded. But Jesus said to him, Thomas, see, I'm real. Jesus knew exactly what he was thinking. Like your closest friend who knows exactly how you're thinking and how you're feeling, Jesus knew what Thomas needed and he knows what we need too. So was it just Thomas that doubted that Jesus had risen again? Remember when Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene and some of the other women, remember when they went to the tomb after he'd been crucified to anoint his body with oil? What did they see? What did they find when they got to the tomb? The stone had been rolled away. The tomb was empty. They saw an angel who told them that Jesus was risen. And in Matthew 28, we read, the women hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid, yet they were filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his hands, uh, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Wow, what an incredible experience. The women went and told the disciples. I reckon they would have been pretty excited. I reckon that this is probably the best news that they had ever had in their whole lives and they wanted to share it with everyone. They shared it with the disciples, the other people that knew Jesus, everyone who was mourning. The the Bible tells us that they shared it with them, but no one believed them. The Bible says they thought it was nonsense. It sounds like nonsense, doesn't it? They doubted. Now on that same day, two of the disciples, Simon and Cleopas, they were walking along a road. They had heard everything that um, the Marys and the women had said to them. But the Bible says they were downcast. They were sad. They weren't sure if they believed this either. They had hoped that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. But they were doubting. Then Jesus appeared to them. He had a conversation with them. He broke bread with them. He was real and alive and their doubts vanished. In Mark 16 we read that these two returned and reported it to the rest. But they didn't believe them. Are you seeing a trend here? So Mark 16 goes on and we read, Later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. And he rebuked them. That means he wasn't that happy. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. They had all heard the news. But none of them believed it at the start. What was it that changed them from doubt to belief? It was, that's right. It was actually having an encounter with Jesus. 
the risen Jesus. It wasn't just Thomas who doubted. I think for most of us who've come to know the risen Jesus, we've had our doubts along the way. But just like your closest friend who knows how you are feeling without you saying anything, Jesus knows our doubts. Remember Thomas, he had a burning question. Did Jesus really rise again? Jesus answered him directly, personally, completely. So all of a sudden, what seemed ridiculous becomes amazing and undeniable. We read in 1 Corinthians verse 18, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Amen? Do you have a doubt that you want answered? Do you have a burning question for Jesus? Ask him. What is the message of the cross to you? Is it foolish or is it the power of God? We can all hear the same good news, but turning from doubt to belief only comes through our own relationship with him. I remember one very powerful encounter that I had with Jesus when I was a teenager. I was a new Christian. I was full of big questions and a rising doubt. Was I really saved? How do I know if I'm saved? How do I know if God really exists? And I talked to Mike Mills about it when he was a pastor here many years ago. And he offered to pray for me. And as he was praying, I remember a burning pain started in my hand. It was so hot and so intense. It was almost unbearable. I didn't know what was going on and all of a sudden it stopped. But what Mike didn't know was that the week before, I had really hurt my finger and I couldn't move one of my knuckles, and it was so sore. And as soon as that burning pain left, my finger was completely better. The pain had gone, I could move my knuckle again. Now, if you doubt my story, that's fine, but you can't tell me that it didn't happen to me because I know it did. It's something that I experienced. You can't tell me it wasn't true because I was there. And it is something that I have been able to hold on to ever since, to know that God is real and active in our lives. I'd like to share another personal testimony of God, working through doubt. And this is from a friend of mine, and John is going to come and read it for me, with permission. So uh, this is it's from an amazing uh, young person, and uh, I'm reading it on their behalf. Uh, and I'm just really impressed that uh, they've allowed us to share this. So here we go. In recent times, I had all but lost my faith. For over two years, I had stopped praying, stopped worshipping, stopped everything that one might describe as spiritual. I had changed significantly. I carried a deep grief inside as I didn't see the Christian faith as reliable anymore. I knew there was something, but no longer felt that I knew what I, it was. I read books about all kinds of things, 
science, evolution, the development of religion, the brain, quantum physics and more. And my mind was filled, but there was an emptiness in me. After some time, I came upon a book by Craig S. Keener called Miracles Today. As I worked through the book, I was confronted. I couldn't use logical analysis to explain away what I was reading. Initially, I thought, well, maybe this theory or that one could explain it. But as I read on, I realised all such theories were weak. What I was reading were real encounters with a power outside the people experiencing them. I realised I had something wrong. I let go of my frustration about how certain things just don't fit and stopped trying to explain got away. I prayed a very lacklustre one-sentence prayer saying God himself would need to bring me back to him as I felt I'd been away for such a long time and didn't really know how I could return after everything. I went on with the day and didn't really think about it. But then the next morning, I woke early and had the most powerful, personal experience of God in my life. My explaining it in words falls short, but this experience changed me, cutting through my logic barriers. It felt like a very personal answer to my prayer. Since then, almost a year ago, my faith has come back to life. I feel a deeper and personal connection to the reality of God. A lot of things have fallen in place and there is peace at my core. Of course there are still questions, things that befuddle me, confuse me and things I don't understand. But it's different now. Those things are there, but a personal experience with God has superseded them. To anyone on the fence out there, I can understand no one wants dogma. It has to be personal. And many people feel let down or just can't trust it all. I'm not going to try and have a smart answer to all that. All I know is that God is a powerful force, a loving reality, even if other painful realities coexist like darkness and light. I hope people can find the light this Easter to consider the possibility of Jesus as more than just a historical figure of the past and themselves discover his resurrected life. If you have doubts, ask Jesus. He will make himself known to you personally. You see, he already knows your doubts. Is the message of the cross foolishness or is it the power of God? I would like to finish with one last passage. But meeting Jesus isn't the end of the road for us. You see, after Jesus had appeared to the disciples for the second time, while Thomas was there, their doubts had been evaporated. Jesus said to them, he said, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He said to his disciples, go into all the world, 
Preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes in and is baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. This is the power of God. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.